Okay, hello, and we are back. As we continue to talk about Maury Terry, the ultimate evil, David Berkowitz, and the son of Sam murders, I think it's also valuable to look at some of the origins, or what people expect were the origins, because a lot of people disagree with Maury Terry, that there were multiple shooters in the son of Sam killing spree, or that there is this cult-like presence that is taking place. But a lot of people have been sharing Manny Grossman's YouTube channel with me, and I've been trying to watch the videos in order. And I think it's in the third one where he gives a pretty good breakdown, and to try and recreate his um, phrasing of it, is that this organization, or this type of mentality, goes back to the 1950s, post-World War II, where an ex-Nazi is pulling people in to this destructive thought process that's fueled by pedophilia, as well as ritualistic activity, because that, those are the ways that they lure people in. And also, people who are prone to pedophile tendencies are going to be easier to manipulate, because they have some instant type of control over the person, blackmail, if you don't do what we say, then we will expose you to the world. And this can also be um, just a way that they can control people. And this happens in a much larger extent in the present day with things that are not exclusively related to abusing children. Perhaps you'll remember with Jeffrey Epstein about some of the stories they would say about what would, what would go on Epstein's private island. is like they lure somebody who has the potential to be a very influential individual, they lure them into an orgy or some type of sexually related event, and then that person can now be blackmailed. Maybe they have them on videotape, or maybe they reveal that the person that they were involved with was um, underage by only a year or two, something to that effect. Now they have blackmail on this person. In short, the power structure of many elite circles can relate to sex, drugs, ritualistic practices, and they don't want this stuff revealed because then it would ruin the careers of many people. So they keep it involved in um, this elite circle. These destructive tendencies are within the elite circle, and a lot of people are really speculating about this because, I mean, if it's only happening in the elite circle and there isn't definitive certainty and proof of that, well, then how do we know that it's really happening? But I just wanted to share that back in the 1970s, May Brussel, the host of Dialogue Conspiracy and the um, Kennedy assassination buff, talked about this a lot. Because in the Kennedy assassination, what May Brussel really wanted to share is that there is the presence of Nazi Germany that has affected the world, and it's been downplayed. When people look at the assassination of John F. Kennedy, people will talk about the CIA, and people will talk about the mafia, or a better term is organized crime. But what May Brussel would say is the element that they are neglecting is that the Nazis were involved with this. And many Nazis were brought to America through Operation Paperclip, and they also affected the world on a global presence economically. And I said some of this stuff back during last week's AMA, not to be too repetitive. So it's not surprising at all that somebody like Maury Terry would even point to 
this type of um, organized cult-like behavior going on in the 1950s that is um, all related to something post-Nazism. However, these things have gone on since the dawn of time. These types of, okay, there is this ritual that's going on only in the elite circles, or how about this? The elite circles have their own secret agenda to obtain power. And it does get a little bit conspiratorial, and even when certain people come forward, whether it was Webster Tarpley or Lyndon LaRouche or Joseph Farrell, and they talk about how, okay, the elite circles of the 1800s had their own agenda, or the 1700s and the 1600s, they actually have this type of deceptive method that they're using to uh, make history look like this. But in reality, this is what was happening behind closed doors. Many people do not want to listen to that. They say that's just a historical conspiracy theory. We don't want to hear about how people like Thomas Malthus or Jeremy Bentham or James Mill or John Stuart Mill were agents of the British East India Company who were working on behalf of the oligarchs. And the writings of those individuals that I just named were actually plagiarized from the Venetian Giovanni Jean Maria Ortes, or how about somebody like John Locke, who was accused of plagiarizing the Venetian Paolo Sarpi, and that these things come from the salons that where these people are just paid intellectuals who are designing an agenda that is beneficial to the elite circles of Europe, and then British writers are copying the works of the Italian um, henchmen, more or less, and this gets really, really um, blown out of proportion when you look at what happened with the French Enlightenment, and that's all stemming from a guy named Abate Antonio Conti, but I don't want to get bogged down on that too much, because I would rather talk about the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and look at this cult, The Children, and to give an introduction to what Maury Terry thought The Children was, I would like to go over to an article from Bustle.com that simply gives a very clear introduction on the children. Maury Terry believed the satanic cult known as the children was ultimately responsible for the murders and that David Berkowitz was a single player in a much larger conspiracy. David Berkowitz told Maury Terry that he was recruited in a park in Yonkers, New York, and that apparently they were working with Satan to try and bring a lot of chaos to the world. He claimed the killings were part of that work. James Rothstein, who worked in a vice unit in New York, said he did find leads about cult activity in Untermeyer Park, including pedophilia, animal sacrifice, and satanic signs and rituals. As far as animal sacrifice goes, I definitely remember hearing accounts of many dogs being slain, particularly German shepherds, Maury Terry believed that John Carr, who lived near David Berkowitz and whose father was named Sam, owned the dog that Berkowitz said gave orders. I haven't talked about this yet, but there's this dog named Harvey who's owned by a guy named Sam. And one of David Berkowitz's original stories is that this dog, Harvey, has been possessed, or some way, somehow, the dog is the one who's giving him orders. And the dog's owner, of course, is named Sam. But, I mean, that goes into the category of whatever. David Berkowitz later would later go on to say that that wasn't a genuine belief, and I don't even think we need to talk about it too much. It is just baloney, to be honest. But um, 
to uh, continue back on with this here. David Berkowitz named John Carr as a shooter on one of the killings, and John Carr's brother Michael as another perpetrator. Both men died in the years following David Berkowitz's arrest, Michael in a car accident, and John in a suspected homicide. David Berkowitz, who's still serving life sentence, hasn't elaborated further on this alleged conspiracy or his role in it. There are, however, investigators who do believe that Maury Terry's work offers evidence to support that part of the story, that David Berkowitz might not have acted alone. In 1996, the Yonkers Police Department reopened the case, but subsequently closed it again. And a big thank you one more time to Bustle.com and this article by Catherine J. Igo, which uh, you were just hearing from. One person who was a genuine believer in Maury Terry's theory was the mother of Stacy Moskowitz, who simply said that she didn't believe that David Berkowitz was responsible for Stacy's murder. Instead, she believed that Maury Terry was right and that there was this root murder angle. But if you do get a chance to watch Sons of Sam, I would, I will, I would just ask you to notice. Um, it seems like there is a strong sense of counterbalance in it, but it isn't mentioned frequently. It's not like a back and forth between, okay, this is what Maury Terry says, this is what other people say. They're just little insertions about how some people are saying, this is conspiratorial, this is just some wacky conspiracy theory. The long story short is no. The flat answer is no. These guys... um don't even exist, or if they do exist, like John and Michael Carr, they didn't actually play this role. David Berkowitz was the son of Sam. He was the lone killer. He was the person who was involved with this. And one of the points that they use to provide a skeptical form of counterbalance is they're like, this guy David Berkowitz is just telling Maury Terry what he wants to hear. He is playing him. He is learning about what Maury Terry has quote-unquote discovered through his research, or he has learned about Maury Terry's theory, and he wants to tell Maury Terry what um, he wants to hear to a T, that, oh no, I wasn't responsible for all of the Son of Sam shootings, I was instead responsible for only two of them. So um, you really have to wonder, how credible is somebody like David Berkowitz? And in the final episode of, of um, Son of Sam, Sons of Sam, not Son of Sam's, although there is Sam, and then there is the government who's also named Sam. We cannot forget that. No, Sons of Sam. They did show that uh, David Berkowitz really isn't elaborating on detail past um, what Maury Terry would want to hear. He would say that, no, he wasn't the only um, shooter, but then, well, what exactly is going on? Or he would talk about, oh, yeah, there was uh, some other people. And Maury Terrier said, now they were parked in a red van, right? He said, yes, that's correct. And he would agree to the questions that Maury Terry was asking. But, I mean, Maury Terry had a theory and he wanted confirmation. And Berkowitz offered that confirmation. And um, I would encourage anyone to listen to Berkowitz in his own words about that. But that's not proof. That is not hard evidence. Simply saying these things it's not concrete, it's abstract. 
I mentioned that people had been sharing Manny Grossman's YouTube channel with me, and um, I would just like to read out one of the descriptions of an episode that he has written in here, and he will go a little bit further into some of the descriptions on how this cult would have operated. In the annals of the Son of Sam cult story, a real Mr. Real Estate constantly comes up as the probable cult leader. And Mr. Real Estate is a name that they are giving him, although it's possible in one of uh, Manny's videos that he has identified him. He is the leader of the 22 Disciples of Hell, the Westchester cult that committed the Son of Sam murders, and the children is much larger. So, um, Mr. Real Estate is someone who has been publicly named in these videos, but it's also been identified by researchers such as Carl DeNaro, the second victim in the Son of Sam shootings. And then this one goes on to show where um, Mr. Real Estate lived, and this is in his video, True Crime Files, The Son of Sam Cult, The House of Mr. Real Estate. As far as this type of uh, person being real, it sounds quite similar to everything we said about the children, or talking about May Russell, or talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Being very clear, that's May Russell's theory. She isn't. She was never a participant in any of these things, as somebody like Epstein was. They're luring people in with pedophilia, with drugs, or some of the things that Manny Grossman talks about. Pornography, absolutely. Pornography, because it was illegal at the time. So people are filming pornography in very discreet locations, down in some warehouse by the harbor, because it has to be done underground. But when it's done underground, then it's leading to a whole series of other um, problematic issues, because it's an illegal operation, which is connected to other illegal operations, or the different criminals have their hand in the pornography sector, and they also have their hand in the drugs sector. And there's a lot of overlap between these very um, evil behaviors. But sometimes the evil behavior can spill over into the general public. And I think that's what a lot of these quote-unquote conspiracy theorists out there, I am a conspiracy theorist myself, but it spills out into the public view. And that's when you have the son of Sam. That's when you have the Tate LaBianca murders, as well as the murder of Gary Hinman and Shorty Shea. We're talking about the activities of the Manson family. And that's also when you have the Zodiac Killer, allegedly. I mean, of course, no one has ever been convicted for one of the Zodiac murders. So some people believe that this is all just the work of some type of um, shadow network of cult-like activity. And I decided to ask uh, someone whom I've been corresponding with, and his name is Chad. He's a listener to this program. Anybody can write the show, actually, at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also get my Facebook, which is in the description box, as well as my Instagram, blackboxned88, where you can listen to the bonus podcast. Now, I asked Chad about this type of um, behavior that could be going on. Is there any link among these activities David Berkowitz and the Son of Sam Slags, the murder of Arliss Perry, and the Tate LaBianca murders, the activities of Charles Manson. And here is his response. 
Chad is very up to date on the activities of the Manson family, mind you. So, here. Hi, Chad from Northwest Ohio here, chiming in with a few thoughts about the Son of Sam and the Manson connection. I think it's a very, very big stretch. Maury Terry, now deceased, wrote a lot about that in his book The Ultimate Evil. The book even had Manson and Berkowitz on its cover. Keep in mind that this was the 1980s, way before the internet. Maury did a good job uncovering the facts, but what these facts actually meant is mere speculation. Two newer people, Thomas Henry Horan and Nicholas Schreck, dive into this with mixed results. Although I tend to trust Nicholas more as though he was actually a friend of Charlie, as seen in his lengthy documentary, Charles Manson Superstar. Thomas Henry Horan starts off very promising, but nowadays he started hinting that the Clintons were somehow involved. This is typical right-wing radio bullshit. Tell the people what they want to hear. Believe me, I'm no fan of the Clintons either. End of story. But connecting the son of Sam and Manson to them both, to Bill and Hillary, and the far more evil one, is a pretty big leap. I think the Tate murders were over a drug burn, and the LaBianca murders were over a favor of settling a debt to some people in organized crime. Charles Manson, once locked up for good, followed the convict's code and never spilled the beans. It wouldn't be wise for Tex Watson either. He knows he's never getting out. It's like we are slowly being given pieces of the puzzle, only to find out that the puzzle is significantly larger than we thought. I definitely believe Berkowitz was part of a bigger group. He never even had a trial. This doesn't happen with murder cases. I want to emphasize that this is my opinion and nothing more. I simply don't know the answer to uh, to these unless text talks on his deathbed, then we will never know. I love the show, Ned, and maybe through discussion of the actual facts we can bring some true information to light. It's there that we can just see... It's there we just can't see it. But my opinion, the short story is that bikers and mob hits were involved. It's been over 50 years, so unless there is some bombshell in these text confession tapes, Texas lawyers are keeping to fight. They're keeping to fight for them to be private. I think we will know more if they are released. Now, um, I would appreciate, I really appreciate that uh, statement from Chad there, but there are some things we can go through here. Firstly, um, as far as this uh, thing about the Clintons, well, they are part of the elite circles, right? And this ties into some more contemporary um, events involving the murder of John Benet Ramsey. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory. As he said very clearly, that was someone else's theory. But, um, well, it's all about this, that the elite circles have their own rituals, they have their own belief systems, where people get pulled into them because of those destructive activities that are going on. They lure people in with sex, and now they are blackmailed. I think Bill Clinton was caught up in a sex scandal or two. But uh, the book um, has Manson and Berkowitz involved. This will be something that we'll explore just um, later in the episode. What the Netflix special tried to say is the link between Manson and Berkowitz is the process church, that there's going to be an organization that is going to have linked them together. 
One person who seems to be somewhat skeptical of this is none other than Bruce Davis, Charles Manson's former right-hand man and a Zodiac killer suspect. When he was interviewed by the BBC about these groups, Scientology and the Process Church, he didn't even really seem to know what they were, and he seems to have uh, had a big reversal on Charles Manson and just said, Charlie didn't believe any of that stuff, whether it's the Scientology, he thought it was useful, but he's not like a devout believer in that, or in um, the Process Church. I mean, as I said, he wasn't even clear about which, he didn't seem to know which group that was, or even this stuff about Nazism. In fact, that, that was the one he truly dispelled, saying, if people are going to try and use Charles Manson to justify their agenda, Charlie didn't believe any of that stuff. Now, I'm not very familiar with Nicholas Schreck, but I am somewhat familiar with Thomas Henry Horan, and um, he all gets into the type of shadow network of cult-like activity, meaning that um, the reason why the elites have this type of belief circle is because they want to have a belief system that justifies their activity, and this um, gets into certain cult-like practices that come from India which justify pedophilia and the sex trade and human trafficking and the creation of snuff films because um, the essence of the human being can never be fractured because the the child is the same as the adult because we're all in this spectrum of infinite consciousness. And it's a, it comes from this cult-like group of India that was discovered by the British and then brought to America. It was a belief system that was useful to the, to the global elites. So it carried on here in the United States of America. I'm not saying that I subscribe to that because a lot of that comes from speculation or it's all from people who are outsiders. Yet then we also have Alex Jones breaking into Bohemian Grove and filming the cremation of care and so on. And you can see that there are definitely rituals that go on in elite circles, but are they just ceremonial? And or, or also, are they um, involved with something much darker? About Bohemian Grove, though, I do have an episode on it here on this channel. And there was one interview that was done by one of the staffers at Bohemian Grove, because global elites may not um, use urinals at that place, but they definitely... Um, still want to have access to escorts and prostitutes and massage boys and so on. And he just said there are all kinds of escorts and there's a very large illegal sex, sexual activities going on at Bohemian Grove, only meaning that they are uh, doing a lot of private prostitution there. So there's also that. But um, when he just to share one thing about the Manson family and this drug deal gone wrong, Chad has also shared with me privately that he thinks that Tex Watson was supposed to receive some type of drugs or payment from two people who were murdered with Sharon Tate at uh, the house that she was staying at at Cielo Drive, and she was supposed to receive it from J.C. Bring and Wojtek Frakowski, who was the close friend of Roman Polanski, as well as the boyfriend of Abigail Folger, and they did not deliver. So they felt that they were burned, and um, the Manson family retaliated by committing that murder. This is the famous drug deal gone wrong theory. However, the murder of Gary Hinman, which happens earlier, is also possibly a drug deal gone wrong, where 
This involves uh, Charles Manson struck Gary Hinman and the ear with a Confederate sword, and some people say that he cut his ear off, but other people say simply he just struck him in the side of the head with a sword and left a very big cut there. That was also a drug deal gone wrong that Gary Hinman was supposed to provide them with some mescaline that they could sell to the straight satans. I knew none of this before I started reading up on the Manson family. I've never done mescaline, but like there's that cactus called peyote, right? Peyote is just the name of the cactus. It's the mescaline that is actually what gets people high, and mescaline can also come from other plants, not only the peyote cactus. So um, Gary Hinman uh, was supposed to procure the mescaline for them, but he botched the operation, and they sold this mescaline to the straight Satans, but it was bad, and then they wanted their money back, and that was a drug deal gone wrong as well. This is um, also the one that involved Bobby Beausoleil, as well as um, Bruce Davis and other members of the Manson Lady sector. So that you have the murder of Gary Hinman, the murder of Shorty Shea, and the Tate LaBianca murders. Charles Manson said by his own admission that uh, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca were murdered because they were in possession of a black book that had um, phone numbers in it, which could very well have been this organized crime um, angle that, um, that uh, Chad was just talking about here. So, I think that that would be a very good stopping point now, because in the next segment, we'll talk about the Process Church and the murder of Arliss Perry, so please stay tuned. <laughs>